What would change in the world if you, me, and everyone choose to feed the wolf of possibilities instead of the one of doubt, distrust, and despair? The way I see it, our point of view creates reality, not the other way around. Somewhere deep within, I think we know that. In this podcast, I am daring you to claim this remarkable superpower. Join us and be inspired by trackers, explorers, and finders of possibilities from the multiverse of hope. Welcome to the podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities, with your host, Katrina Valentin. Welcome to today's episode of Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities. And today we are exploring the ever-evolving and awe-inspiring possibilities of biohacking. So as my guide, I've invited AC Ray an enthusiast of living who continuously researches, studies, tests, tweaks, hacks, all things biohacking, personal development, physical enhancement, mental optimizations, full body efficiency, productivity, health, and thrival. Wow. Welcome, AC. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So let's dive in. What is biohacking? Dun, 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 the question everybody asks. And uh, biohacking can mean so many things. There's an epically broad range of this spectrum. A lot of people, when they hear biohacking, they ask me, so are you going to bring people into a lab and, you know, like robocop them? And like, no, that's not where I'm going with biohacking. What I look at with biohacking is It's hacking your own biology to cultivate the experience of living that you'd actually like to have. Um, We are all navigating this biology that that is absolutely magical and intelligent and intuitive and um, very robust. And at the same time, we often feel like we're at the effect of our biology, you know, of the... um, the inner goings on of our body. And I really like to look at the possibilities with hacking that for optimization. And it can mean anything from hacking your sleep so that you've optimized your sleep, you've optimized the kind of foods that you eat and when you eat them and how you train and the the thoughts that you think and how you think and how you navigate your entire world. And the point being of biohacking the point is that it optimizes your quality of living so that you actually enjoy being here because this planet is absolutely phenomenal. Why wouldn't you want to enjoy being here as much as possible? So that's my version of biohacking anyway. Well, it's interesting in the way that I often talk about the body as a sensory organism that we use to experience life on this planet with. Like if we if we didn't have our body, we couldn't experience so much of everything this planet offers. So I totally get that part. Um, So how do you view the body? Like, what is the body for you? Well, like you, you put it really well. I love that, that definition also the sensory organ, like it's, it's the, the vehicle with which we get to experience this, this world. And all of us have a completely different body. We have a different experience navigating life with our bodies and also like what our bodies can and can't do. And instead of that, that's really why I love looking at the the quality of your experience, because it's not like 
it's it's not that every single body can do every single thing, but it's how do you experience the the experiences that your body can provide you. And so body is this vehicle that you, the being, get to be in while you're here. Um, so that's that's how I would say your body. <laughs> A lot of people say meat sack, and that makes me laugh also, just for the record. <laughs> how did you start doing this? Biohacking? Yeah. How did you get into all of this? Where did it start? Um, where did it start? Uh, actually, when I was a, a kid... Um, I used to like, I am not a chef and I don't really enjoy cooking, but I love little experiments. And I remember um, being in the kitchen one time, I was very young, less than less than 10. And I was trying to figure out how to, I wanted to like make my own gum because I thought it would be more efficient. And I wanted to um, make my own um, ice cream because I was like, there's snow outside. It's more efficient if we just, can't we just use that? It's cold, those kinds of things. And uh, I used to just geek out, even as a little kid, to optimizing anything and everything. Um, even we, we had a trampoline and I tried to devise a swing so that people of different sizes could easily step onto the trampoline. Like I just liked optimizing things. And uh, my autistic brain has this whole like system uh, headquarters thing that, that I see systems with up here. You know, Iron Man. You know, when he goes into his uh, studio, for lack of a better words, it's his garage, I think, but Epic Garage, but he has like all these different screens and systems and stuff um, that he's moving his information around. That's how I think a lot of the time. So I love efficiencies and I've always geeked out to optimizing any bit and piece that you can. And so um, I've really always done it. And then when I was studying for school um, in like prepping for university. And then I was in pre-med and university for a while. Also just optimizing anything that I could for my, my body's health, but also study tips and tricks and just habits in general as well, so that I could be more efficient along every, like every path. Um, even something as simple as like putting my, uh, my sneakers out in the morning so that I would put those on first, you know, like little habits and stuff. And then I got more and more, excited by the ability to enjoy the heck out of your body instead of feeling like you're stuck in it and then that kind of transitioned into me focusing more and more on specifically biohacking because um, I think we all have a very interesting relationship with our bodies and it's very uh, everybody is navigating this path that nobody else is navigating like it's your very own path that you're navigating. So the way that you optimize a sleep schedule might be completely different to how I optimize it, but we're both incredibly happier if we do optimize those systems, but you're navigating this thing completely on your own. So it's actually quite fun to learn how to optimize that. So that's why it's this continuous evolution of me geeking out. <laughs> it never gets old. In, in what way would you say that your relationship with your body has changed? over the years of optimizing (laughs) dynamically um when I was oh 16 17 18 um I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia uh chronic fatigue IBS 
um, severe anxiety, severe depression, and uh, quite a host of other things. Actually, 17 food allergies. I got diagnosed with 17 food allergies. It was crazy. So basically, I was allowed to eat bird food and do nothing was the prescription and or lie in a hospital bed doped up on morphine because I was in in so much physical pain everything was just inflamed constantly um I couldn't actually be hugged because I would just burst into tears um and now I am like a little small child of excitement all the time like can we go to this can we go to this what about over here and I, I love playing and I want to be involved in any sport or any activity that we're doing. I love movement and I actually enjoy navigating the path with my body versus before um, I was really, I really did feel trapped. I really did feel like there was no possible joy in living when you're lying in a hospital bed doped up so much. So how did you change it? How did you start to change it? I get it took some time, like over in, in, where was like the starting point of all of that? Um, I mean, like you said, it was a, there was a, a lot that mm. contributed to that change, but um, I had been attempting to change it for a very long time, going to every possible um, specialist and different type of physician um, and, you know, the natural doctors and the, the Eastern this and the Western that and, doing everything and um nothing was changing and it actually got to a point where i was in university and i was contemplating how many stories in the library like how many floors i would need to be up for for suicide to be a legitimate option as opposed to just hurting myself and then being in the in the hospital again um and i finally put suicide on the table as a legitimate, like, okay, if you're that not okay, if you're, if this is going to be life, then let's put that on the table. And it was actually that choice that set me totally free because then I, instead of avoiding it, instead of being in so much pain, but not putting it on the table, it just felt like I was constantly pushing this thing aside that was imminent anyway, that I didn't have any control over. But then when I put that choice on the table and I, I actually made a choice like, no, I want to be here. I, I want to live. When I was a kid, uh, the saying my family used to say is she's always in there like a dirty shirt. Like that was the, like she's always in there. She's, and you know, you're, you've got too much energy. You're too happy. Like that was what I used to be as a kid. So then when I was none of those things, it was, that's when suicide really did become an option. And then I had that choice moment of, no, I'd actually really like to be here. And it was like that choice rippled through everything. Then I started looking at my diet differently as opposed to what everybody was telling me I couldn't, couldn't do. I started looking at it for myself and I started looking at seed cycling for hormonal, for hormonal health with for females. And I started looking at not comparing female biology to male biology. And that is massive because males are on this beautiful 24 hour clock. That's what they've got. Those lucky <laughs> bastards set and reset over and over. And I kept feeling like I was insane because I, some days I'd want to take over the world and like create epic 
everything. And then other days I didn't want to get out of bed or I just needed to nap all the time. And instead of recognizing that we have this 28 to 45 day cycle where that's totally cool, I was comparing myself to uh, male biology, which all the, like the majority of the science is actually based on 18 to 35 year old white males. And that's not the majority of the population. And that's all the information that I was going off of. Those are the, the science that I was studying only. And so making, making that change them like, okay, female biology, how do I navigate that? What does that actually look like? Um, and uh, just making these little basic tweaks that society makes so um, challenging, but it's really these fundamental taking care of yourself aspects that are important, like drinking enough water in a day, as opposed to just going all day being dehydrated because you're so busy. So it started with that choice to put suicide on the table, then that choice to be like, nope, that's actually not what I'd like. And then I just started tweaking and it's incessant tweaking, like nonstop tweaking. Um, Cause there's, there's always just a little bit more that you can optimize for more fun, not in a ridiculous obsessive way, a little bit of a ridiculous obsessive way. Well, that's one of my questions is actually because biohacking, the way I understand also when you talk about it is like this constant little tweaking, but also constant, like um, a choice that you actually continuously make day after day, you know, tweaking more, tweaking more. So how do you not make it take over your life to become totally significant? And the only thing you have to think about now is drink water, go to sleep at the right time, you know, eat the exact right things. Like what's how do you play with that, even with your autistic brain? <laughs> well, that's actually, um, I, I didn't have language to put around that for a really long time. And then I was doing this uh, fitness certification of all things. And um, I was speaking with the, the founders of, of the CERT. And I was getting a specialty training with them. Like I happened to train with them in South Africa. It was incredible. And a lot of what they were teaching me was kind of a little bit different or and it wasn't just advanced or nuanced it it seemed quite different and they had explained like you know you have to know the rules before you can break them they explained too when you like creating a course you create it so you give the people that that information and then once you get that basis then you get to go and play and that's mm-hmm. really how um because my <laughs> uh autistic ocd will get very hooked on like must do this but then I have all these other tools from access consciousness um, where I can make things not significant and where I can question them and where I can ask my body and where I can be flexible and malleable. And a lot of those tools, like it's such a contribution to the biohacking practices because then you, you've also let go of getting it right and wrong every day becomes an experiment and every day becomes, okay, well, how can I do this 1% better? Or how could I be like a little bit happier today? And sometimes happier means not doing any of those things that are completely optimizing your sleep and, you know, going, going out or, or you've gone to the beach and you forgot water all day. And it's like, well, that was silly, but it's really not taking it so seriously, but choosing it's choosing to, to really understand you and know when those systems that you have in place contribute to you being able to do all the other things. And sometimes I fall off the wagon completely and 
it's a great reminder. It's like, oh no, wait, I actually really like it when I follow X, Y, Z, you know? And then also having all the access tools where then say the, uh, the environment is not super conducive to what you wanted to do. It's like, all right, that's okay. What can I do with what I've got? You know? Mm. So it's so many tools at once. Well, it, what you're talking about a lot is like honoring both you, your body together, you know, during every single day. And, and I wanted, you mentioned this, um, you mentioned biohacking your sleep or optimizing your sleep a few times. Could you talk a little bit about that as one example of biohacking? Could you just like, what does that look like for you? How do you optimize your sleep? Yes. Well, first of all, I would like to say that I think we need to change the conversation because we are in the 21st century and we still have our bedrooms as this multi-purpose room because it's absolute insanity. I do not understand why we don't have, I like to refer to them as sleeping pods, mostly because it's fun. Um, but seriously, there should just be one room where it's dark, it's temperature, temperature controlled, it's quiet, and you can optimize it brilliantly for the way you sleep at like the perfect angle for your body because some people are different. They like their feet up, other people like their chest a little bit raised, some people all the pillows, none the pillows. Anyways, uh, optimizing sleep, it, we do it so, we've set our environments up in a way that is so, not conducive to what we know is actually beneficial and the sleeping pods is just a, a really great example like um uh, the dorm rooms where you're supposed to be eating and sleeping and studying all in the same room is really not optimized in any way shape or form um, and i realized that we're not all going to rebuild our houses to have special sleeping pods which i think we should but i get that we're probably not right now but um, something as simple as making sure that you can drop your core body temperature before you go to sleep, you know? So even if that's taking a really nice hot shower 30 to 90 minutes before you want to go to sleep so that your body, your core body temperature will drop before you get into bed. Um, things like optimizing your wake time and how you wake so that you can sync your circadian rhythm so that go going to sleep is way easier that you don't then suffer from onset insomnia. Um, and there was something else I was going to say about sleep. It really is like our environment, you know, the nature nurture conversation is in everything science and the environment with which you sleep is so important. So if you can just simply not do things in that bedroom, except sleep, that's going to change so much like that's actually a, a hack for people who have insomnia i had chronic insomnia for over a decade like genuinely don't think i actually slept i obviously did because i'm alive but the quality of my sleep was so poor for over a decade um but if if you're not tired lying in bed isn't really gonna be useful so if you get up leave your bedroom go do the things until you feel tired then come into your bedroom again so that you start associating bed with, this is where I rest. This is where I sleep. Um, but right now that environment is not set up. Our environments are not set up that way. Um, so what's, your just, sense about, what's your sense about sex and bedrooms then? Would you say that you should have sex outside the bedroom so that the bedroom is actually for sleep or? There's something I'm genuinely curious about because I have heard not conflicting, but I have heard different opinions about it where some people say, okay, make the bedroom, like 
the bedroom is for sleep or sex. Like those are your options in the bed. But because and then people have different size bedrooms, you know, so their bed is half their closet in the day or it's half these other things. But um, I think it, it probably also depends on the person and the kind of sex that you're having also, um, which bedroom slash location is going to be optimized. Um, but, and it depends how energized you are after, like, you know, it's the same if you get your bars run, are you super energized after, or do you want to like conk out? Cause then you can actually use it advantageously. Like, okay, we're going to do this first and then we're both going to pass out. You know, that's uh, very different versus we're going to do this. And then we're both wired. Maybe you don't do it in the bedroom where you or the sleeping pod where you want to actually have rest and rejuvenation. Well, I love it because it's, again, it goes back to what you've been saying all the time. It's individual. It is what works for that particular person and that person's body and how that person's body works. So it's so like, it it really goes totally together with how you've been talking about it all through this interview. Um, Because I was going to ask you, can anyone biohack? Can anyone, what does it take? Like, where does a person start who would like to try to optimize some part of their life, their body, like cut the way the body functions? What is the first step? First step is to pay attention. Like we have, like you said, your body is a sensory organ. So we are getting information all the time. Like it's giving us information. It's giving us constant feedback in marketing. You are always looking at a feedback loop. Like that's your bread and butter. Look at the feedback loop. You get the information, you iterate, and then you give it to your clientele again. Our bodies are doing that for us constantly. So if you actually started paying attention to the inputs, like, okay, I only, uh, this is when I went to bed. How did I feel when I woke up? Did I wake up to a lot? How did I feel when I woke up without an alarm? I ingested this food. How did that feel? Did I eat? Did I actually eat or did I inhale the food? You know, did I, did I drink any water today? How did that make my body feel? Have I moved enough today? Like it's, it's genuinely starting to pay attention and then pick something, pick one beneficial practice. If you want to start actually being hydrated, which will contribute to a number of other biological functions, but actually start drinking water. And again, be nice to yourself, like start sipping on water. Don't chug five liters right in a row, you know, um, start drinking water. If you're a female, look into seed cycling for your hormone health. It's a game changer. And it's so simple. Um, if you are a, like a male, so you're on that constant 24 hour clock, does the, do the actions that you're taking actually optimize? Are they actually optimized for how you'd like to be living? Meaning, are you working out at the time that works best for you? Are you sleeping at the time that works best for you? And a lot of the um, pushback I get when I speak to clients about this is they're like, well, I can't just construct my whole life. You know, I've got work and a family and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, yes, those are true. But if you change the perspective of, you don't have to fit you into those very rigid structures. If you actually look at how you can optimize yourself to work with those systems that already exist, say for example, you have to be work at X time, you can still train yourself to not have to wake up to an alarm so that you can you know, still make it to work on time. But it's, it's changing the, the perspective that you're operating from, like, well, this is what I'm limited by, or okay, how am I gonna optimize myself 
And then these are the systems that I also need to work with. How can I make that happen? It's asking a lot, paying attention and asking way more questions instead of deciding that you're already at the effect of something. It's it's like invested, like it's investigating, discovering. I get that one of the things that it would take is to be curious. Because if you're not curious, you're not going to get anywhere with this because <laughs> it really requires a tenacity of curiosity. Yes, very much so. And and also like a an absence of judgment, ah, like a yeah. massive absence of judgment, total absence of judgment if possible. And um, I go to bed asking myself question all, all the time. But one of them is, did I learn anything new about myself today? Like, how can I? And then how can I optimize that? You know, we're saying like, wow, I didn't drink enough water today. Oh, it's because I, did, I made X, Y, Z choices instead of these choices. Cool. How can I do that better tomorrow? If as soon as we judge ourselves for, oh, I didn't sleep and I didn't do this. And I didn't, like it, it becomes no fun at all. But that tenacity of curiosity is fun when there's an absence of judgment. Then it becomes this exploration and you're like a little kid on an adventure. Like you get to discover it's constant discovery zone. And if you're in constant discovery zone or discovery mode, then, then there is that absence of wrongness. Cause you're, you're just looking, you're just seeing what's possible. And you built like private practices all over the world and you work with international companies and you go to conferences and talk about this. So how would you say that this field is received by the world? At right now and how was it received before has it changed that's really interesting I don't think I've been in it long enough in a professional capacity to say how it's changed from my observation it's changed dynamically because people are becoming more and more interested in in self-care like it's becoming less of this taboo um, at the same time the way it's received is quite curious there are some people who I actually just had this conversation the other day, this one person's perspective, this one person, but it can be blanketed. Uh, some people genuinely, there's no time for that. Like I need to work, I need to do this. Look. And they're, they're just so in these structures, these immovable, immalleable structures of this is the way life is. I don't have time for this stuff. And that is actually like the main question that I became curious with is why is all this self-care like why does that seem like it's an inconvenience I'd really like to change that conversation and then the way it's received by other people is with this curiosity they're like wait a second so if I sleep better I might like hate my partner a little bit less (laughs) like yeah you might be just like a little bit happier you know like wait a second so I drink water maybe my back will hurt a little bit less. It's like, yeah, maybe like water is really useful for a lot of functions. You know, it's, it's, it's something, and I know I'm making it very layman's terms, but the, the thing that I find really exciting is that um, with more and more people working from home, just with COVID, it's, it's actually opened up this space where we can have these different conversations because so much of the activities that we're taking our time previously just simply a commute, like a, an hour commute each day, half an hour both ways. We have that time now and we notice that we're spending our time different and our bodies feel a little bit different because we're not in that rhythm of just the way that it always was. So it's cracked open a space for question and then that curiosity comes in. And um, I really love being able to 
speak about female biology and male biology without these it's not this rigid system it's just like hey they're different it's mm. like completely different worlds let's stop making one better than the other let's stop comparing them we can look at them both and be like oh these are how they're the same and how they're different fine but not comparing them with right and wrong it is so much nicer from a a female perspective because i moved through so much of my adolescence just thinking that i was completely insane because i couldn't do things the way that you know my my male friends were doing or i didn't have that same reset so i think it's starting to become more of a conversation that we can have at a younger age too and how do the internet what what are the international companies for example asking for what what parts of this are they interested in one of the things i find exciting uh, i've propositioned a couple of them with um <laughs> kind of cheeky hey i bet you your bottom line will increase if your employees are happier they're like yeah okay hippie <laughs> but then we make a couple adjustments and what i what i really want to invite these companies to is is showing them that if we create a choice architecture in their work environment that facilitates happiness and not happiness from like woohoo i'm out drinking happiness like hap like genuine happiness and that choice architecture also facilitates health and thrival and your body systems actually working the entire company is a going to relax and then b be able to move forward faster but the so many of these structures that we have for the way employees work you know something as simple as like the that open office office space where like everybody's doing everything all the time and you're sat at a 90 degree and you're on your computer like it's just not optimized in any way so we optimize things like that and make make water really available and um what's the air like uh is there are there any windows in your building things like this the the companies do actually start getting curious because once you break that external shell they're like wait so happiness of each individual employee increases my bottom line okay i'm remotely interested and then then they start playing around a little bit that's brilliant and could you explain i love this world choice architecture could you <laughs> It's awesome. Could you just expand on that a little bit? Hmm. So I uh, I started um I was feeling really frustrated with like being at the effect of all these systems and I was like, "No, like I want to be the choice architect of my life." Like I was just being rambunctious. And I was like, "Oh, that's actually really cool, choice architecture." And I've come across it in a few books also. So it's it's definitely a thing but it's choice architecture like you can look at choice architecture and you can look at um how you set up your environment and how you set up your choices and the tools that you use like say for example you just bust your butt and you work incredibly hard so often that you burn out burnout is a huge conversation that people have been having for ages and it's been really popular a lot of times like pre covid but you've set you've you've had a certain choice architecture that you've been operating from within and when you recognize that you are the choice architect of your life it can be something as simple as having a bottle of water like for example 
I uh, never have my phone closer than my bottle of water, meaning I can always, if I can carry a device with me all the time, I can carry a water bottle with me all the time. So like choice architecture, you know, and um, choice architecture, like, uh, okay, do I want to stay up and do this thing and be exposed to all this blue light and all, all these artificial lights? Or am I going to choose to go to bed at this time? Because I know that's going to make me a lot happier tomorrow. Choice architecture. And it's just, it's also reminding yourself how much choice you have. Because I think we're so proficient at just deciding that we have no choice. And like, this is how it is. And I'd really like to change that conversation. And if everybody can be the choice architect of their life, it can be uh, a lot more fun, I think. That's wonderful. <laughs> so finally, so what's next for you? And what would you say is next for biohacking? Dun, dun, dun. Biohacking is going to take over the world. and Everybody's going to be happy. Hopes and dreams fires run, maybe. But um, what's next for biohacking? I would honestly... I would love to see so many conversations change like about um, self-care. I'm not a super fan of the word because it comes with so many funky connotations. Um, but if we can stop making self-care such an inconvenience and it's like this other thing that you have to add to your list on top of this already massive list of to-dos, if we can change that conversation and we can start enjoying the practice of self-care, i.e. biohacking, like optimized biohacking for you. Um, I think that if, if that was next, and also if we can create sleeping pods instead of multi-purpose bedrooms, that would be great. Um, and uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see these biohacking conversations be had at um, like a really early age because kid, like kids are brilliant. They know how much to eat, when to eat, when to stop, all of this, like they really do. If you give them choice, they're intelligent, their bodies are intuitive, and they will listen to them. So if we can actually learn to, like, to facilitate that knowledge, like that innate knowledge from a young age going, growing up, uh, you know, having that you're actually allowed to bring your water bottle in into classrooms with you, things like that. Um, I think that we could really change the way that the next generation grows up where self-care is just, it's, it's an obvious, it's not this extra thing that you have to do. That's perfect to end on. And if people want to find out more about you or biohacking, where would they, where would you tell them to go? I would tell them to, they could check out hackinghappiness.com. That's my website. And uh, yeah, you'll find everything there. Thank you so much, AZ. You are a brilliant guide to biohacking and to how we optimize this sensory organism that we experience the earth through. And what else is possible now? Thank you very much for having me. I'm truly, truly grateful and honored. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities. I hope you have more space in your world now. If you would like to listen to earlier episodes, share with other people or subscribe, please go to Spotify, iTunes, or visit katrinavalentin.com slash wolf.